Hello, everybody, and welcome to WPS 285. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Danny? Absolutely tremendous, Graham. How are you? I'm good. We're recording on Pancake Tuesday, and I love pancakes, not only on Pancake Tuesday, but every day. Thank I, you. I absolutely detest pancakes. Um, I want to uh, take this opportunity to apologise to our listeners. We did record a solo pod last week. Oh, yeah, we the did. sound was shite, so we didn't put it out. So um, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, we're back this week with, with a guest. Yeah, yeah. We A little bit of a gap in the schedule, unplanned due to unforeseen circumstances. So, to be honest, that's, I tried to fix it. But look, I mean, this is a hobby. I'm not a professional sound guy. So but we <laughs> made an executive decision that, you know, it sounded absolutely muck. So we, and I know there's going to be a smart guy. Oh, he's always saying shy. <laughs> right, Grant, well done. Hilarious. You're very funny. It's a shame, though, because we had a great tangent last week. We did, yeah. We talked about all sorts of crack. Uh, but you'll never cool. hear it. You'll never you, know. Uh, exactly. You'll never hear the story of the Chinese spies in uh, Dal Erdem uh, with the Healy Rays. Anyway, moving swiftly on, Graham. Uh, yes. As you mentioned, we do have a get. We're back. Normal scheduling has resumed and all that. And our guest this week, is the brilliant and the wonderful Fanula Morden, who is a sustainability blogger uh, and reporter and journalist. She's doing a master's in, or she's just finished her master's uh, in climate change in DCU. She is a regular contributor to the National Need You. Uh, you'll see her on the six o'clock show. You'll hear an RTE. She's on RTE Pulse as well, hosting her own show. She's one of those people who uh, you get jealous of because she's extremely, extremely talented and extremely, extremely brilliant at what she does. And thankfully, she's had a good chat with us. So here it is, Fanula Morning. Fanula, how are you? Thanks, Neil, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely marvellous. How are you guys? Uh, doing great, doing great. We were admiring, the, this is audio only, so people, but there's a lovely green wall behind you. I mean, you're just admiring that green wall. kicked off. So yeah. uh, you, you were saying you're going to, people on TikTok and everything being asked you about it. I know, which makes it sound like I'm some kind of interior connoisseur, but I have got great use out of this wall because it's the only wall in the house that we painted so far and we've been here for two and a half years. That's what doing a master's in a pandemic will do to you. I love <laughs> that. that, that that's All a pace at which I can operate. Two, two and a half years to paint a single wall. That's it's, <laughs> I'm in my house five years and I think I've had like about three attempts to paint anything and usually I'm fucked out after because they're like, no, no, you're just, you're in the way oh. now. Is all <laughs> thing though my partner's in the trades rebel phoenix he's a rapper and a roofer which is a magic combo but <laughs> i thought that i'd be really good at doing like all of the handiwork around the house and i hadn't really used my hands for anything since leaving search art so then when i went to do anything everything takes 10 times longer than you think it's going to take and it's a thousand times more boring and even the front of the wall i don't know if you guys have ever ever had to paint pebble dash mm. an absolute nightmare yeah. I would have strong words for the person who invented that now, but uh, I, that's <laughs> one thing I can claim, I painted most of the front of our house, so I was very proud of that. That is that is progress. Come here, we'll, we'll talk to you about okay. all kinds of everything, but uh, you mentioned a master's there. Tell us what you're up to. Yeah, <sighs> just kind of over the PTSD of it all now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't get to graduate until the end of March. So I haven't got to close the chapter yet. So it's kind of like... It's still hanging over you. Know, 
an elongated breakup with my academic career. No, no, no. That's it. I really enjoyed it. I did. I uh, went back to DCU. I'd done my undergrad there straight after school in communications. And I loved that. It was really broad. Got to do all sorts of radio, TV, performance bits. And have since come out and had a really broad career in all radio, TV and performance bits. So loved that I didn't have to specify too young what I wanted to do. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And I'd been doing a lot of stuff about sustainability on social media over the last few years. I'd gone vegan as my 2018 New Year's resolution after watching the, what documentary sent me down that way? Earthlings documentary on YouTube. I was like, ah, and I went vegan overnight. And then the next year, one of my pals had been like, watch this true cost documentary, please. Because I was still floating through the shops every second week thinking I was doing everything for the planet, the most sustainable person alive. And then I watched that documentary and I was like, ah. Oh my God. And I quit fast fashion overnight. So making lots of very big snap decisions that have been quite life altering. And then after the first lockdown, which was the long one where we like there was no flights going. We could see over to Wales. We could see up to Northern Ireland. Venice was getting dolphins or all sorts of mad stuff back in it. Like we all stopped. Yeah, literally no air pollution, no nothing. And a report came out at the end of that lockdown saying that the emissions reduction then hadn't been enough to steer us off the course of warming that we need to get steered off so I was like oh good lord so I jumped into DCU's master's in climate change then and I did that part-time over two years while I was working away and I had a ball doing that and I as weird as it sounds it was a really lovely distraction from the pandemic even though studying one apocalypse while you're living through another (laughs) doesn't sound particularly great but yeah met a great network of people there which I think is what made it and it was fantastic just hearing all these different perspectives and in hindsight might have been something to have control over while we had control over so little else in our lives pandemic so so yeah I woke up two years later and now we have a master's and the pandemic is kind of over we hope um so yeah that was a wild journey so, Vanilla, what I, I've I've heard the term fast fashion before, mm. and I could probably hazard a guess as to what it is. But what what actually is it? So it's basically, do you know the way when you were growing up, you'd get like maybe Christmas clothes and then my birthday's in July. So then maybe some new clothes for your birthday, like kind of twice a year. And there was only two seasons of fashion then. So it was like autumn, winter and spring, summer. Whereas now it had ramped up to 52 new seasons of fashion a year. So like new clothes being churned out every week. And that was lots of the bigger high street brands. And then with the advent of online shops like all of the different I won't name brands and this so I don't get you sued, but lots of the different big players in that space have really amped it up that they're putting hundreds and thousands, if you get to some of the biggest offenders, of new designs online every single day now. So it's this really unsustainable production model. It's wreaking havoc on the poor workers being made to make all the clothes. They've got barely any workers' rights, awful stuff shutting down unions and different things going on there being made to work in really unsafe conditions and then as well as that it's wreaking havoc on the environments that they live in and on our own more uh, globally shared environment as well then so it's just a really unsustainable production model um, and that's just on the production side but but then on the consumption side of it as well uh, I think it's been targeted more at women so far but it is spreading over to men it's this kind of oh, the stuff you had cool last week, like that's not cool anymore. You have to get new stuff. So it's a way I think of kind of keeping people financially impoverished as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's... So, there's so I won't get me, uh, I won't get me Stevens's Day tracksuit anymore. Just wear the one I wore on Christmas Day. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's mad though, because... We like... Christmas Day presents we didn't in my house anyway. <laughs> that brings Santa up for those ones. He must have got lost. <laughs> yeah. It's it's mad though, because I remember reading about this a while ago, and like 
uh, as I said, we won't name them, but uh, everybody will know them when I just say, thanks, hon. Mm. Right. Uh, so the, there was like a, a thing on it that was like, just the amount of waste water wasted in the production alone, never mind all the other stuff and what you were saying about like workers and, you know, their situation. But just the water waste alone was terrifying. Like, and I was sitting there and I was kind of going, like, I'd be guilty of it. I'd be guilty. Like, if I go to the shops and I see a hoodie or something, like, I'll just get it. I'll just, yeah. you know I mean? rather than saying, I've got like 40 hoodies in my wardrobe at home, I don't need another hoodie. But because. And it's the thing where you can't see what you have then. So you're like, oh, I do need a new one because I'm stuck wearing the same two or three that I can see on the top of the pile of clothes and I never get to the bottom of the floor drawer or the wardrobe yeah, or wherever yeah. it's all piling up. The floor, did you say the floor drop? Oh, the masters will definitely do that to you. I've only <laughs> cleared two years worth of a floor drop. <laughs> Brilliant. Like that, do you know the Monica cupboard in Friends? Yeah. yeah. And she's like clean freak and the rest of her life looks really organized. And then she's got that one messy cupboard. If any relatives or anything were over in the house and they opened the bedroom with the floor drop, like the shame. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I think everyone has it though. Like we have a dumping room. Like it's a spare room in the house where it's just kind of like anything that either needs to go out to the shed or to the attic that we couldn't be arsed to it's kind of just put it in there for now. And it's in there for six months. Well, no, yeah. it's in there about four years. I'm all like, but anyway, so everyone has definitely it. have one. Makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it like the sustainability thing, right? So you said there, like very snap decisions for you in terms of you quit fast fashion overnight. You went vegan overnight. So right, vegan is one that it's easily made fun of. You know what I mean? Like people just love to kind of kick a vegan and then say, and they'll never have the energy to kick you back. La 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 la. Right? But like, <laughs> it, it's. it's <laughs> More and more, I'm seeing it more and more. These like you know meat substitute kind of uh, dinners and stuff like that. You're seeing it more on shops in freezers and fridges and even you know your McDonald's and all them. They do like a McPlant and all this kind of stuff now. So it's it's becoming more and more available, but people are still really slow to even just switch to like I'll you know I'll give up meat for two dinners a week or whatever. Like, but that's a really good thing they could do, isn't it? You know. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So I am vegan, but I don't believe that everyone needs to go vegan. I know just from different friends and family I have in my life that dietarily it doesn't suit everyone if they have different nutritional needs or issues or anything yeah. like that going on. But it works really well for me. And until it doesn't, I'm over in this camp and I love it. And it actually gives me loads of energy. That was one of the things I found when I switched over. Now, I did it overnight and I don't recommend people do that. Like do work <laughs> like to one or two or three meals a week and keep adding different recipes and stuff that you love to your repertoire um but yeah I did it overnight and then it was just a mad little journey of finding all these new foods I think a lot of the time people think it's like this thing of deprivation that you're like not having meat and not having dairy and not having all these things that you used to have but for me I was learning all these really lovely ways to cook different things that ended up being a lot cheaper and a lot easier I haven't got food poisoning since I went vegan so if anyone isn't particularly talented in the kitchen very hard to give yourself food poisoning with a load of veg I challenge you nearly to give yourself food poisoning eating a vegan diet wow. but um yeah, I just found it really, really handy. And it's brilliant that all those things are coming on stream because I think a lot of the time, if I was recommending anyone to do it, I'd say try and do it from a whole foods perspective and use all of those substitutes as treats sort of in your diet because they would right. be a bit more processed and everything else like that. But it's brilliant that they're there. Like it's magic now that I can walk into whatever takeaway and get like any kind of Beyond Meat burgers or anything else yeah, like that. Yeah. 
would have been unheard of a few years ago. Double-edged sword that though, because you can get like a vegan takeaway every other night of the week now. <laughs> really healthy when I started doing it and now I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Uh, no, it's great to see those things becoming so mainstream because once the choice is easier and cheaper for people, that's what's going to get the mass movement. I don't expect people to put themselves really out of pocket to do stuff. And it's the same with plant-based eating and sustainable fashion, I think people have these ideas that they're really, really expensive things to do, that you need to go off and buy all of these wild ingredients you've never heard of, the cost of fortune and different kind of luxury food shops. It hasn't been that way for me. Like any of the supermarkets you go into, they've got their super sick savers and it's always a heap of fruit and veg. Yeah. And I just grab those, especially if they're in season and they're local and chop them all up and see if I can make fun different like stir fries or stews or whatever with them or like lovely big roasts with them. Um, and it's the same with sustainable fashion. Like the most sustainable thing is the thing that you already own that's already up there in your wardrobe. And then beyond that, the stuff in the charity shops and Depop or at swap shops, I get them for ludicrous cheaper prices than I would have if I was buying them new. So that's the kind of end of sustainable fashion I like to focus on is the thrifting stuff that's already in existence. Now is a real purist for the first, my maths is awful. Am I doing that four years now since 2019, 2023? Yeah, yeah. However many years that is, up until this year, I'd only been doing secondhand or vintage stuff. Whereas this year, there's some Irish designers now that I know have caught up to really legitimate sustainability standards that I'm like, okay, I do want to support them now because they're doing as good as can possibly be done in creating lines. And I do want to support local talent and local creativity and stuff like that as well. So that's something I'm going to look to veer into a little bit this year as well. Is, is part of the problem, because you mentioned like vintage and thrift shops and all that kind of stuff. And I've like loads of the people that I follow on social media do like, you know, their, their haul from whatever, not a car boot sale or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like they've gone somewhere that's, doing vintage stuff to come back and like some of the stuff is class like some of the retro Adidas stuff some of the retro you know what I mean but there's this kind of weird snobbery that like Irish people and I'm guilty of it as well like I'm I'm, but you know where it's kind of like I'm not going into it that charity shop I'm not what if somebody sees me in there and all that do we all yeah. just need to get over ourselves a bit like, really would you think like that I would yeah I'd have a bit of a kind of like I'd, I'd have notions I'm from Ballybrack but like to think it's tiny do you know what I mean so <laughs> I'm from Bray and my dad always said that the houses in Gliney were always so expensive because they had the view of Bray, which is a gorgeous <laughs> view. <I must> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Totally. That's why Bono and on Enya and all are paying the big bucks over there just to look at all of us. <laughs> they're actually living, they're all living in East Ballybrack. That's true. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Stunning. But that uh, mindset that you're talking about is fascinating because there was a guest on Tommy Tiernan. I think it was maybe two seasons ago now. His name escapes me, but it was a fascinating talk. He was a historian mm. and he might have been an anthropologist. Manga, was it? No, it wasn't him. He's amazing as well, amazing, though. Yeah. But this guy was talking about this kind of aversion to anything. We had this like poverty in our psyche from the famine has still yeah. been passed down. And it's like this intergenerational trauma has been passed down that none of us have really dealt with. So I think that's where it comes from because we would be one of the worst consumers of fast fashion in Europe. And that's mad to think about where we came from so few years yeah, ago. I think it was yeah. this year our population surpassed what it was pre-famine, um, right. or last year, sorry, even. But yeah, it's mad, and I get it, that we have been so poor that we're really averse to feeling or leaning into anything like that at all now. Whereas 
even one of my pals who came over from Canada, she was like, oh, like we have consignment stores there. And even this notion that like you can sell on your clothes secondhand and there's just a big culture there of buying things secondhand and buying people's used stuff and it not being seen as hand-me-downs, which is probably something we're all familiar with from our parents' generations and their parents before them. Yeah. Um, but like mm-hmm. no one wants to be stuck in the hand-me-downs. We always wanted the best of the best, the newest of the new. Um, so yeah, it's a fascinating thing. And I think that definitely still exists in the psyche. I remember when I was trying to get some of my first articles over the line about sustainability my editors were like ah does it like if people not died in the clothes do they not smell <laughs> like if you're going charity shopping I was like no it's not, like obviously everything's washed it's clean yeah. like, it's grand a lot of the stuff is new with tags and just for whatever reason people missed return dates or didn't fit them whatever yeah. and they just passed it on so it's funny like that as well but yeah I totally get that and the main mindset sh- my <laughs> There you go, sir. Mindset. All right, you're all right. This is a Bally Black podcast. You can't. This is going to now, you know. I was just trying to tell myself then the dopamine hit of getting something new. For me, it was the same once it was new to me. Right, brand yeah. new. I didn't need it to be brand new. I was just like, ooh, new shiny thing for me, even if it was secondhand vintage, whatever else. So yeah, yeah. It's just like you just change overnight, like the mindset I kind of I took the first six months was a buying ban because I didn't have a clue back in 2019 what sustainable fashion meant. The conversation wasn't really that evolved around it then. At the time that I was starting, Taz Kelleher and Geraldine Carton, two fab guys. Oh, yeah, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, they were just setting up and they were called Sustainable Fashion Dublin at the time. They're now called the Use Less Project. But they were doing a lot of education around it and that was fantastic. And there was kind of this amazing community building all trying to learn what it was. Um, So that was fascinating. But I did six months of buying nothing and my job at the time I was an entertainment reporter so I was off on different red carpets or at like influencer events celeb events every other night of the week doing interviews and some of the time there you would be like oh Jesus because you're beside these like perfectly turned out people and it's their job to look absolutely impeccable all the time and I'd be in bits that I'd worn like over and over and over again because I didn't go shopping before I quit fast fashion I just quit so I had what I had when I started then um but yeah after that I kind of the mindset of like, oh, I need something new for this event. I need something new for this event just started to ease off. And I started to curate my wardrobe into just pieces that I loved. So it wasn't anything that was just on trend that week. So I looked like whatever I was meant to look like, according to whatever fast fashion companies were pushing upon us. So yeah, that was one of the ways I got myself out of that and just finding my own style. I've never been one of those people who's kind of like, oh God, I could never wear that. I'll wear anything. I don't care how ridiculous it is. If I like it, it's on. Um, so yeah, that was the first six months. And then after that, I was only buying secondhand bits and I was really trying to limit even that because mm. even if people can't commit to doing secondhand stuff, if we all just bought way less, yeah. we'd be doing so much better. Um, and in turn, hopefully the companies would start producing less but we don't know if that's the way that'll go because obviously their bottom lines are caught in that and they're all profit driven so um yeah we mightn't get the whole world order rearranged in the hour but we can do our <laughs> best like it's it's those little things just even because even as you're saying it and like i i am I, i'm openly admitting that i'd have an element of snobbery about it for myself like i wouldn't bat an eyelid to somebody else right but this i just do but then equally i mean i bought my hand my car second hand I bought secondhand Air Jordans. I bought, you know what I mean? So it's like, why why do I have this mental block then about popping into Oxfam yeah. or popping into wherever? Because I'm just like, yeah. oh, no, I can't. like, so it's just, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there probably, but I'm 
definitely putting words in people's mouths there. But I'd say that is dead know. right. And like, sure, my dogs and my house and my fellow, they're all secondhand. Like everything in my life's secondhand. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it is funny how we group all these different things that way. Uh, but what you say now, I think there's an interesting reverse coming around too. Hmm. That a lot of people now are smug about finding something secondhand. So I always get people coming up to me being like, oh yeah, like showing off their thrifted bits real no proud. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that even in influencer culture now as well. A lot of people like not boasting, that's the wrong word to put in it, but like celebrating the things that they found vintage or secondhand. I'm like, amazing. Cause that's one of the reasons I think the eBay Love Island partnership is so good, dressing them all in thrifted pieces on the show and things like that. Cause the more we can mainstream it and normalize it, the more it's going to bring down the amount of new clothes being bought and the amount of resource that takes in and everything else and the toll that's taken on the planet. A big thing that we're building to on an EU level is the circular economy. At the moment, the way we buy fashion, say, get it in the high street or online, wear it once or twice, however long the micro trend lasts, and then put it straight in the bin. That's called the linear economy. And it's like take, make, waste are the steps of that. Whereas the circular economy, once something is made, we keep it in production for as long as possible. We take really good care of it. We repair it. We do whatever, mend it wash it carefully everything like that extend the life cycle of it as much as possible and then when we're done with it we sell it on secondhand or we donate it somewhere or even use it for rags to clean the house if it's beyond uh, any passed on and so it's just those kind of ways that we stop wasting everything like disposability is really new our grannies would be horrified if they saw the amount of clothes and food we were buying and binning and everything else like that like it's a really new habit in Ireland and that's why I'd have a lot of confidence now that we're kind of becoming aware of these things that we can unlearn all of these habits because if we can learn them especially the buying clothes to wear once that is a wild psychological phenomenon that only came in because fast fashion and social media kicked off at the same time and created this perfect storm that like warped our minds into being like oh god I've been seeing that before I could never go out in that again like celebs don't even do that and they're getting all their clothes for free like everyone's rewearing their old vintage bits and different stuff like that so it's mental that people with way less financial means like the rest of us are being trained into that kind of buying pattern and it's is this why I'm seeing way more double denim on the go Canadian everywhere, like John Wayne. Go on, Brittany. But like what you're saying is, is that right? Like, and even that the whole like repurposing them and mm. you know, like the, the Marge Simpson dress comes to mind as well, you know. <laughs> but the, the two girls, Taz and uh, the other girl's name's gone from my head there. I remember Girl. watching what what watching them doing a video and it was like turning an old t-shirt into a bag, like a tote bag. And it was like yeah, now I'm not allowed room with scissors or play with staplers, right? But like, I could, I could have a go at that. I could easily turn around and like, I'm wearing two XL, so it'd be a big bag. Like, I'd do it a little shop with it. <laughs> <laughs> be giving the idea bags a run for their money. This is it, like, no. bag for life, no bother at all, you know? So, like, <laughs> you can get so creative with the materials we're reusing. I was lucky enough to get invited to the Stellar Awards this year, and I'd been nominated for the Lifestyle Award. And obviously, the house that we've moved into that we haven't done anything up with yet, the neck curtains that came with the house were lying around and I brought them down to the zip yard and they turned it into a big dress so like no the neck curtains 
Yeah. So those curtains have probably been sitting on this house since the 1950s. Like they were really good quality, proper material. It was stunning. And then they got a whole new life out in the red carpet all those millions of years later, like millions, uh, like less than 100 years later, but 70 odd years later. So it's magic little things like that that we can think about. Or even I had another event that I went to and there was a dress my mom had in the wardrobe. Oh, I've seen this on your Instagram. Yeah, for 25 years. She wore it to a wedding when I was three. I was a flower girl. And then it was very of the time. The waist was really low. That isn't kind of really in anymore. I got the, the skirt a bit brought up higher and then just wore it out to a red carpet all those years later. But like it's those little things kind of seeing, can we edit things a little bit? Is there any other purpose this could have after it served its initial purpose? And just keeping all those textiles in use. So yeah, make bags out of your t-shirts. You'd be laughing yeah. at the whole shop in them. <laughs> it's 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 it. I think the way you explain it, like I've seen other people online or whatever, and this is not to blow smoke up your ass, but you explain it. You explain it really accessibility wise, you know. And other other times when I've heard people explain it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's easier said than done. But then when you're explaining it, it's like, yeah, it is easy that's the thing I get so much joy out of as well like I want other people to share in that joy my whole thing with the climate comms is like shame support over shame because like when you kind of learn all this stuff initially and I was definitely guilty of this when I like started doing my vegan bits and started reading up and loads about it initially I was like oh my god everyone has to know this but that's not a way to get people on board like shouting yeah stuff to people that they don't want to hear yeah. um but yeah, my whole thing, whether it's like even with my music show, I always came at that as a generalist. And then doing the masters, I always wanted to stay a generalist. Like I don't want to be a science communicator, A, because I'm the most enumerate person I know and I get the numbers wrong every time I try to say them. I add a few extra zeros on and I've totally changed. About the method. dress is a thousand years old. Honest <laughs> God. Yeah, my mom is 1060. Um <laughs> But yeah, like, honestly, I don't know what's going on in my brain there, but they just come out all the wrong way. But for me, that's what I enjoy is when people make complicated things easy to understand. So it's like, okay, I'm really passionate about this, but I don't like, I just want to communicate it as myself, which yeah. is a very light generalist having a bit of crack way. Um, obviously it is all doom and gloom and we all kind of know that. So I don't know how useful it is to keep telling people that I always think if you're going to tell people not to do something you have to show them what to do instead so you can't just be like no don't do this you have to like let people know how they can step into that movement if they want to do their little bit and see what works for them and that's why I always would not be very prescriptive being like we all have to go vegan or we all have to shop secondhand if you're a busy mom of five and like you're not going to have time to run down the all the lovely shops I do from Camden Street, Georgia Street, Wexford Street, all there. That's my favorite strip of charity shops. I know you won't have time to go and float around there as much as I do and see if you can find a little bargain here and there. But I don't know if you're doing like hand-me-downs or swap shops in your kid's school or anything like that. You've saved yourself a heap of money. And then you're also given all those clothes and other life as well. So like people will all find their own way to engage with this. Big time. And what, what's the... Um... What's the easier message out of the two in terms of fast fashion and veganism? Like, I mean, I know you're saying you're a journalist and you don't want to be annoying people, so to speak. But in terms of the wider scenario, which is the easiest message to translate to people? I would say the fashion one, because everyone gets dressed every day. I know everyone eats as well, but there's the fashion is far less 
politicized. I'm not sure if that's the word I'm reaching for, but there's a lot of lobby groups and stuff around food. So if I'm asked to go on any of the political shows and I'm going to be up against like a very intense lobby group from the agriculture sector, that is stressful. And I am just trying to say like, woo, do you want to try this fun recipe I made? And it's like really nice, full of vegetables, as opposed to like, I, I believe in a just transition in the climate movement as well. Like I think any dairy and beef farmers in the country should be fairly helped to find different paths if they want to get out that and into vegetable farming or different things that are more conducive to um, like keeping the planet under the levels of warming that we need if they want to get yeah. away from the intensified dairy that the lobby groups generally represent. Um, but yeah, I have found the fashion one more accessible i think it's quite fun i'm also telling people that the most sustainable stuff is the wardrobe they already have so there's absolutely no spend involved in that there's a really nice community in it as well that said i'd love to see more guys in the space um we could do it way more fellas selling stuff secondhand on depop or ebay or anything like that or doing swap shops and different things like that because there's loads of women doing it so we're really lucky then in that we have loads of choice and loads of options so it's very easy for me to be like oh yeah, just buy secondhand things because there's loads of gals around my age, my size, selling stuff that I like. Whereas if my fella goes looking for stuff secondhand, the selection isn't as good. He'll have to like go looking a little bit harder in the charity shops or the vintage shops like that as well. But there's still deadly bargains to be found. So Yeah, yeah. It's mad because uh, like in terms of the lads, one of the things that I've noticed is like vintage football jerseys. They seem to make a big comeback. And I'm kind of like, there's definitely going to be a load of them banging around the place that people would be like especially somebody like now i think we talked about this a while ago where it was like yeah, well, i have one on now there you go look at that yeah, now, i mean it's it's an awful pity of shamrock rovers but we were talking about like i think was it like fiorentina and juventus and like italian like some of those jerseys were unreal man. i'd wear them out for a night out the te- no i know yeah you know what i mean but um you mentioned there for now as well around but i don't know if that i don't know if that helps fast fashion because i think they're being made in China or whatever for like no, yeah no so I'm talking about if there's any actually still out there yeah, yeah it'd be great if they're just lying around the house and people yeah, yeah. I know I did like I now in fairness that obviously you know there are like kid sizes or whatever but there's small people out there in the fashion as well do you know what I mean and like yeah. I still I have up in the kids section so I'd be happy to take them off you see you're after the... actually inspiring me to perhaps uh, open up one of those deep ups Definitely. Well, this is the thing. The more I felt, and I always said this as well, even blogging, like there's so few male fashion bloggers in Ireland. It's such an oversaturated female market. There's, mm. I could count the fellas doing it on my hand, like there. There's so few of them that there's a heap of money to be made for people there. And then even doing the secondhand stuff as well. The more people in it, the better it gets for everyone because there's yeah. going to be more choice and everything like that. So, I would highly recommend getting involved. And yeah, it's funny with the secondhand jerseys now becoming popular. It's always the stuff you gave away that you're like, oh crap, they're going to be worth a fortune. Same with the babies and all. Some of them are worth a few grand now. And you're like, oh God, where are they? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's mental. You you mentioned the kind of just transition thing there and and farmers. And I'm with you on it, right? And I'm not, I want to be careful here because in no way, shape or form do I want to praise Jeremy Clarkson, right? But... Yeah, you're, we're not doing that now here. He's an absolute tramp of a man. He is, No, he is, he is, he is, right? But have you watched Clarkson's Farm? No, absolutely. I won't give him a time. time no. I, I did watch it, right? And look, again, he is. you're, you're right. I'm not, I, I want to be really careful here about sounding like I'm praising him, right? But the one thing that I took from it was just how difficult it is for farmers, but how quickly and easily they can adapt to things in terms of being more sustainable and more environmentally friendly and 
using their land for something as simple as kind of like right rather than having you know always having to rely on like a massive beef herd and all this like just pivot to something else pivot to you know uh like like there was one fella who, who I, I followed up on it afterwards he's just gone exclusively to bees now making honey and the like it's like a fucking i think he has all the bees in england like it's Huge as well. Oh my god, like and I was like, this is mad. He's turned an entire field into like beehives. And like he's saying, Yeah, all right, look, it doesn't pay me what it pay me, but you know, I'm doing my bit. The bees are doing their bits for all the other local farms, and I'm selling bucket loads of honey here because so did he get rid of his cow herd for bees? And other stuff as well, but the bees are the ones that stood out to me because I was like, Ireland, like I'm constantly hearing about bee farms in Ireland, constantly. Yeah, and I'm like, and all of our bees are endangered as well. So basically, yeah. the bees support our global food system. I think is it like nine out of ten of the ones we have here in Ireland, I think, are endangered at the moment. Yes. And then there's a whole other ecosystem of stuff there, like pesticides, which we should try and stop using as well, or killing all of the bees as well, which contributes to the biodiversity crisis that we're in as well. So like all these things are really, really interlinked. And I heard a mad stat the other week because like obviously a lot of the time the argument is but that vegans hate farmers, which is absolutely ridiculous considering all we eat is vegetables, which farmers make. So it's interesting the way some of those arguments have been framed. Um, I haven't met a vegan yet that wants to see farmers go out of business I know listening to different conversations going on about that we have been absolutely pitted against farmers all the time um but yeah like I am not a farmer I live in an urban area in Dublin so I am not gonna give any kind of advice as to what farmers should be doing now but I would love to see them getting all of the help that they can to be more sustainable because I know some of the conversations I was listening to even farmers who want to do more rewilding and grow more trees on their land, they get penalized mm. for doing that in certain ways. So there's a lot of red tape from policy perspectives that we need to get out of the way. I'm not the expert to delve into that, but just helping as many people as we can do as much as they can, as soon as they can, is what we really, really need here because it is a crisis. So if we could just giddy it up in as many ways as possible, we'd be doing great. But even that, even like the, the like whatever farmers using their land to like, do trees and all that kind of stuff even like people who have gardens and just now i know eamon ryan got a load of stick over saying grow vegetables in your windowsill and all that right and like sometimes i find with eamon ryan he's got a good message but he's just you know you just you can't like anyway look but there's definitely, <laughs> oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. You know you get like he's, it's kind of like Amo, i want to i want to come with you on this one Amo. i do but jesus man come on give me something but like yeah and I wouldn't mind my little window boxes of salad give me so much joy like and we can do them out in the garden wherever else you get the nicest basil it's so fresh rocket anything like that my lettuce leaves were growing through to December and this is on like a window box as wide as like less than a meter long the windowsill is just outside the tiny little galley kitchen that we have and it was making heaps of food and saving me buying all the plastic bags of food then as well so those little things as much as maybe it's not the message everyone wanted to hear right in the beginning of a pandemic where a lot of us have turfed out of work and everything else um there is a brilliant even connection to nature i found in learning how to grow our own bits of food and be a little bit more self-sufficient by no means in any way close to being fully self-sufficient but it just really made me be like whoa this is the amount of effort that goes into making food it made me so grateful yeah. for the farmers that do all the work because oh, like, yeah. 
yeah. I only threw like even one little sprayed of potato into a bit of rough ground. We had it back and I got a load of potatoes back and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But by no means like enough to sort us out for the year at all. So it no, just, really. if we all sort of got that connection to nature back, I think modern life can have us living really out of touch with the planet that sustains us. So any way that we can sort of come back to that a bit is brilliant. Yeah, like my my wife, she would be way better in the garden than I would. I cut the grass because I'm told to cut the grass every so often, right? But even that we're trying to do like less because that whole thing of like, no, let it grow and all that kind of crack, it's good. But like... Biodiversity. All that stuff. But she... She's doing all the strawberries and gooseberries and radishes and all. And every so often she get really excited. She'd be like, look, 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 look. And I'd go out. And in fairness, the strawberries were whopper, right? But I was like... We, we got about 12 strawberries out of this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. obviously there's a huge amount that goes on. So when you're looking and you're kind of buying your punnet strawberries in, in the shop or whatever, I'm like, the fucking the amount of effort it must take to get like all these strawberries. Like it does give you that appreciation for. Yeah. And I also heard news bulletins when I was in work this week, they were only saying that there's shortages of some fruit and veg. And that's obviously yeah. not going on the last few years we've seen how supply chains are so delicate. So as far as I'm concerned, like our globalized food system, it's so complex and it's so nuanced and there's no real easy baby. This is the solution kind of headline. But one thing that we should be looking at is ramping up our production of all of these things at home and really supporting farmers here to grow such a wide variety of fruits and vegetables that we can grow in this climate and that are so good for us nutritionally. Because I think... John Gibbons, fantastic environmentalist. He does the serious end of it. And I hop in on the light end of stuff then. But um, he had a tweet that went really, really viral last year during the apple season in Ireland where he was in a shop buying an apple that had been shipped in from New Zealand. So by the time it gets here, it's probably been refrigerated for how long. That creates huge emissions, all the refrigeration. It's been transported. Again, more emissions. It's losing nutrition the whole way along as well. And then it finally gets to our shelf and it's for such a wild low price. Now, I'm not saying up the prices of vegetables or anything like that or fruit in a pandemic or in a cost of living crisis because everyone's struggling enough to pay for stuff as is, but it is mad how far we've come from like, I don't know, maybe the true cost of the labor that goes into those fruits and veg. It's mental. So I'm all for subsidizing farmers to grow a huge variety of really really cool fruit and veg at home and maybe not be doing as much milk powder for export or any of those other things. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild that apples come to the Irish market from New Zealand. But like this is like people people laugh at like like I like my ma or whoever, people in their sixties and seventies and that kind of thing who talk about like Oh, Jesus, when we were kids at Christmas, you know, a surprise in your stocking would be an orange. And we yeah, laugh at that going, that would you? But like, yeah. the reality is that's because fruit was seasonal. Yeah, it is. And now we live in this world where, you know, 24 7, 365, you can get a mango. Like, ma- mangoes aren't native to Ireland, lads. Like, why would we be able to get them all year round other than and the bean? The strawberries bought out of the strawberry season are yeah. crap. They're yeah. not worth the money. Just get the lovely ones from Wexford when they're in season. That's the whole thing. Like if you are trying to get more sustainable with your food and maybe like going plant-based or whatever fully isn't for you, just looking for local in-season food and supporting local growers as much as you can is amazing. I'm based in Dublin 12 now and there's a fab little market just down. What would that be? It's like just before you go over the bridge into Ballyferma beside Labber Park, tucked in behind there. I don't know. The Bluebell. Oh, Bluebell, yeah. 
Yeah. The loose. This is showing you how little I left my house when I moved into this house during the masters for two years. I have no idea where I live and I've been here for two and a half years. Now. Um, it is if you Google organic market bluebell, there's a load of local farmers who come in from like the Dublin Wicklow Mountains and they sell gorgeous vegetables all grown locally around and it's amazing. But it's really good value for what like I would assume took them ages it's still not wildly more expensive than the supermarket totally understand people don't have time to be going out to different markets like that as well but like it's a real joy for me obviously I'm trying to grow little bits that I can in my own garden but then to go down and see what other people have been able to grow locally and be like oh my god all of this is yeah. growing like up the road I can see those mountains from my house like that's so cool yeah, yeah. Okay. support any of those local growers as much as you can if you're in a position to do so is a great way to go as well Big point. And as you said about the, the sorry, sorry, man, I was gonna say, and as you said, even about the, the little bit of basil that you got out of your window box and all that, like the other side is well and won't dwell on it because you don't want to. But like lads, be careful about where the stuff's coming from as well, because a huge amount of basil comes into Ireland actually comes from Israel. So you know what I mean? If you're one of those people, yeah, yeah just mind yourself. Yeah, anyway. yeah. I was gonna say there earlier on at the start, you were saying uh about you know, you're not pushy on people being vegan and because whatever health situations or whatever um i had kidney stones and i'm on like i got I had them out 2019 2020 and i went in to see my consultant and he's like how how are things how are how's the food and stuff like that i was like yeah i've i've i'm a vegan now for the last month and he just ripped me a new one he said no 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 he said i can't have you on he says you the likelihood of recurring uh, kidney stones is quite high. Once you get them, there's like 65% chance, 65% chance of relapse. And I was just looking at my phone because he gave me a whole list. I have to have a, an oxalate foods diet. What is that? Moderate, moderate oxalates. So it's it's whatever's in. Like I was I was lashing um so high oxalate foods, uh avoid these foods. So for a period of time. 2016 up to about 2018, I was pissing through uh, smoothies with like spinach and blueberries and blackberries, and they all had high oxalates. Okay. So they the high oxalates in those foods, my kidneys find it hard to break down. Oh, okay. So he and was like, no. Well, I think you can eat, you can drink a lot more than you ever would eat in yeah. a day you know if you're just blending it all up to drink it like you're probably putting way more food through your body than you'd ever norm like you wouldn't sit yeah. there and eat a bucket of spinach and a bucket of berries yeah 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 little glass you're like oh yeah grand yeah grand but like so he had he gave me a list of and and it says on his list and it's his uh mr mcguire's kidney stone information hi mr mcguire a lovely lovely man um Enjoy these low oxalate foods containing less than two mg oxalate per serving. Do you know what one of them was? Cheerios. I could enjoy as many bowls of Cheerios as I wanted. So I was on the Two Johnny show today, and someone got scurvy. They said because they ate nothing but Cheerios for six months. Scurvy. So. <laughs> I think what? there's two different camps there of whether or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. Don't they have um, that hydrogenated palm kernel oil that people love avoiding as well? 
probably do, yeah. But if you're getting scored, you're not getting scored. But I was allowed lemonade. I had to swap Coca-Cola for lemonade and stuff. It was a mad experience. But yeah, just saying, my consultant veered me away from veganism. I tried it for a month and I was with my aunt and uncle. And my uh, uncle is a like he he was a chef in a previous life, and the foods I was having up in their house, like the Indian dalis and stuff, and oh, I really enjoyed it. But I was happy to come off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing; it'll work different ways for everyone. And like the vegan diet can be really fibrous as well, which I know doesn't suit other people if they've certain bowel <laughs> issues and different things like that. So that's why, like with food, if you can do a plant based meal here and there, and really up just like reducing your meat intake a bit is going to be good for the environment, but whether it suits you physiologically is a whole other conversation. So it'd be a bit mad for me to go like, no, everyone eat what I eat. I think as you get a bit older as well, you sort of get the self-awareness to be like, okay, just because I'm doing something that really works for me. Like everyone's life is so different that you can't be preaching like this one size shoe fits all sort of thing. There's no Cinderella answers here. There's not, there's not. I'll go back on the old red meat. That's the one that I find I'm kind of like, that's probably me. Do myself good, but equally doing good elsewhere. So I only have red meat like once every two weeks now. So. Yeah, treating it as a treat. Like that's what we yeah. used to do because this is a really new thing in Ireland for us to eat meat at this American rate of like with every meal some days or like mm. every meal not being complete without it. Like it used to be a treat growing up, like we were saying with the oranges and the stockings, like people just being more in tune with the seasons. So yeah, yeah, it, that's it. And that's it. Like it's just, it's little small adjustments. Nobody's saying that you have to do what you did, your mad thing, where you just overnight went. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. I'm out. Like, you know what I mean? That's, to be honest, Penelope, it's mental, right? And then, <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> For me as well, though, I feel like, because I would get a bit overwhelmed. By, I don't really go on Twitter or anything like that anymore, but I would get a bit overwhelmed being like, if I read too much of the news cycle, I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's all coming in on top yeah, of us. Yeah. And it's all where the world's ending now. So I have to fix it all now by myself and just get it all done like I find taking action is like okay I know that like my plant-based eating whatever way I'm doing has reduced my emissions loads I know that like the way I'm consuming fashion is helping the planet a bit I know that I'm not putting any rain up in my garden so I'm not killing the biodiversity out there and potentially putting cancerous stuff near me and my family or in the water system more locally as well so those different kind of things like just I think one link we haven't really made and I think the more people who come to the movement really realize it, we're huge about well-being at the moment and climate action and that conversation is going on there. But I think those two really go well together. Like for me, all of the climate action I've done and all of the changes I've made to my life, it's really improved my well-being, the solace in my life, the peace that I have, the health that I have. So I think the more people realize, again, with all these different sustainability things, they're not coming from a deprivation mindset, even though a lot of the time it sounds like give up this, give up that. Like they've added so much to my life. And that's why I yeah. go around chatting about it all the time is because I genuinely love it. And it's gotten me out of the kind of capitalist rat race. I'm not in this like keeping up with the Joneses or the Kardashians or whoever the hell else is this generation's one all the time being like, I need more, more, more. Like I know how much I need to live now. I do the amount of work that lets me do that. I know what I enjoy doing when I'm not working. And that's like hanging out with my absolutely gorgeous little dogs and my family and going out for walks and doing all those kind of important things. And like a little bit of stewardship of nature, the little bits that I have control over my garden, like they're the things that bring me absolute joy. So 
even I think I saw in the news this week that the four day work week trial in the UK went really oh, well as well. God, yeah. Same as the Irish results went really well. So I hope the more time people have and the more they get to kind of breathe and step away from this insanely unsustainable burnout cycle that we built society up into. Yeah. It'll just make people go, oh, OK, OK, yeah, maybe that system wasn't working really well. And maybe we can find another system. Maybe I, think, on that. I think the pandemic. Kind what, of wait, sorry, Danny, for one second. What an absolutely wonderful promo there! Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for someone to try and for, for for to try and turn somebody on the right path. I mean, all you needed to say was "kill capitalism" for me, and I was on board. <laughs> I tried to slide that in in places because if you just come out with just the statement, then they're like, "And how?" And then you have to pin your sail to whatever other. System no, but that's genuine. Genuinely, that was that was lovely. It was, yeah. and you're you're hundred percent right. Like the, the simple message here is, look, right, grow, grow your own, grow a little bit of your own veg, lads. Right, bring back your nineteen nineties Liverpool jerseys. Right, keep the jeans you have. Bring down the capitalist agenda, and you'll save a polar bear. That's what we're getting at. That's all. Just you know, it'll be grand. And who doesn't want to save polar bears? Exactly, they're class. Butterfly um, effect in action, right there. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the thing you said there as well, though, that that kind of like it's. The whole thing is just about finding what works for you. And when what you were saying there, kind of, it sounds a lot like everybody just needs to slow down a little bit. We've all been running at this mental pace that just isn't good for any of us. We were doing it for so long, probably blindly. Then the pandemic came along and we all kind of got to press the reset button a little bit and went, ooh, oh, this, this flexible working thing where I've got more time at home with the dogs, more time at home with the kids, more time to myself. This is this is a good thing, you know. That not- and we've never had more access to information and stuff. So even I think we'll be one of the first generations kind of coming up through that really get to understand this. This might come off ridiculously. I just think so because of all the TikToks and stuff I see from really really mm. young kids now, totally understanding political systems. And I don't remember knowing anything about the political systems I existed within when I was growing up to the extent the kids do now on social media Same, should I vote at Fianna Gael the first time I could vote? What a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You had a private ballot. You didn't need to rat yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Lads, <laughs> I'll admit me mistakes. I'll admit them openly. Oh, God. Uh, well, yeah, like that. I think we're living in a really politically engaged time now and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next while. But I just think it's fantastic that different companies like opting for four-day work weeks and remote working and all the kind of flexibility stuff we were always told was impossible to do but suddenly became possible overnight it's just going to be fantastic to see how much those benefits lend to communities then when people have say three-day weekends and they can give like a day to their own hobbies and admin or whatever a day to their family and then maybe a day back to the community and it's just going to be really interesting to see how we choose to restructure that society I think we had this golden window and all of us sort of in the environmental movement thought post-pandemic okay it's our turn now and we're going to make loads of progress and it's going to be this huge concerted effort to make everything better like we had with the pandemic and all of us abiding by the different regulations but then the war kicked off and obviously that took all of our attention rightfully so tried to help everyone there and now I feel like in a lot of places there just seems to be as much as there's horrific stuff going on in the world in so many places there is so much good going on and even so many community movements building up to do all sorts of really cool stuff and um, I know you are living close enough to me but like even when I was was about this time last year they set up 
I was walking around locally and I saw a thing on bin and it was poster for change clothes crumbling. So now like just around the corner for me, after night uh, in the evenings when the schools are closed down, there's this two amazing girls are going in there and doing swap shops. So all of the local oh, people are going in with the clothes, swapping them all around. And that's just such a really cool show of community and the circular economy all in action and how it all sort of ties together. And it's really nice because then you get chatting to people you never would have met locally um, and you get fab new clothes for free. That's brilliant, yeah. Come here, Fanula, you've been an absolute diamond with your time. Um, so thanks so yeah, much loved, for that. I really love yeah. that, Fanula. Thank you. But, but well, before thank you. We, we let you go, we'll just keep you for like two minutes longer, just because obviously you are, uh, you're big in the showbiz world in terms of your coverage and everything else. And uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier on, red carpets and all that crack. And I know it's being done to death, right? But like, we're all a bit giddy about the Oscars. Like, oh. we, like there'll be a few coming over this side of the pond, won't there? There's going to have to be, and more specifically to this side of the Irish Sea as well, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can stop here, and they best not claim any of them as British when they win either. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you saw Barry Cowan's speech the other night, the BAFTAs, absolutely yeah. blown away. He's always been a sweetheart. I remember interviewing him, what would that have been, 2018, 20, 2018 or 2019? I think he was over here for the IFTAs. I met him in a few different carpets and he has always been the most cheeky, hilarious, down to earth, genuine person. And his vision is the most inspiring thing. I remember him, it was like before Batman and everything else, listing off all the directors he was going to get with and all the roles he was going to get. And they're all just coming true. Like literally, he is the ultimate manifesting queen. Like he's just like, (laughs) like getting it all done. But it just shows what a bit of self belief can do for you. And like, I love that he's still shouting out the community that helped bring him up into what he's doing now. Like, I just think he's such a good ambassador for the country. So, more success to him. I remember seeing him on. um, I remember seeing him on Living with Lucy, and his partner. Um, and I, uh, I think her name is Shona. And I was thinking, anymore. Are you going to keep up on your entertainment bulletin? That, that's my point. I was like, I was so invested to living with Lucy that when I seen that he had a child and it wasn't with Sean, I was like, no, why did you just break up? <laughs> they were a lovely couple as well. I haven't met his new missus, but I assume she's absolutely gorgeous as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sean was a, a dose. Yeah, that, that whole episode was doughty. And then they, they just broke my heart then. Yeah, I'm very jealous of Lucy getting to live with Gemma Collins. I got to work with her once when she was over in Dublin and she's even more of a diva in no real life. Way. On the telly, if you could believe. Jesus. Yeah, well, Gemma now, not Lucy. Lucy is lovely <laughs> on a Lucy's a diamond. Lucy's lovely. We love Lucy, yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, the whole Oscar season thing is has everyone giddy. And then seeing the bit of success now with the BAFTAs and a few other awards and all that, like it's just... We love it, don't like in Ireland. We're, like we just love that whole thing of like we're just a small little rock in the middle of the Atlantic with two big bollocks on either side of us. So when we punch above our weight, it's, it's deadly. Like, well, we I, love I loved it. I loved the movie After Sun with Paul Mescal. Did I? I haven't see that? seen that yet. I haven't seen yeah. it yet. I, I watched it completely blinded, not knowing what it was about, mm. and I thought it was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Will another one that seems Sorry, will I be balling? Oh, absolutely. Okay, oh, I've got yeah, the eyeliner yeah. on today, so I'll give it a nice. <laughs> yeah, no, you will. You, it is, it is the end, particularly, yeah, it is, it is upsetting. 
Yeah, ah, yeah he's but like, gone to some ridiculous level. He had a great pandemic now. There is one person didn't know who Paul Mescal was going into the pandemic and now no. he's on the Oscar stage. And I love normal people, but I thought um the Daisy Edgar Jones was the start of it. And, and she's she obviously got for a lot of the awards when people saying as well, like he kind of got a lot of the shine and she was overlooked for a lot of the awards. Then. Yeah, which shocked me. I thought it was going to be kind of equal, you know, that way. Because the two of them I thought were brilliant, but he seems to be shining more than 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 her. She's still like working and, and getting yeah. good jobs, but she doesn't He's seem to be the acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because her Irish accent was brilliant to normal people. I was shocked when I heard her speaking around voice then because that's a tricky accent and we're harsh critics of it to get it right. And we know it's been butchered 20 million times over. So, yeah. Yeah. Far too many. Far too many. I think, is it uh, Helen? No, not Helen Mirren. Who is it? In, you know, that 1926, the Yellowstone. It is Helen Mirren, yeah. It is Helen Mirren. The the accent. It's terrible. And I love Helen Mirren. Love her. Like, Honestly, they could make Jaws. She's the shark. I'd watch it. I love her. But like, what was the Irish um, gang film or series there last year? The RT one. I loved it. Kin. 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 Your man, um, the brother. He's English, and his accent is deadly. Yeah. Did either of you watch Kin? No. Oh, Kin was great. I I was doing my thesis. So as someone who works in RT, you have an excuse. That, That's right? an excuse. If I wasn't doing my thesis, I heard it was brilliant, but I didn't yeah. have time. It, it was um, deadly. It was yeah. on Gogglebox, but we weren't given it, so I didn't watch it. So uh, there you go, man. Um, home of the year could uh, win an Oscar. Now that's my my current addiction. <laughs> and look, it's look, a good we on a tangent about TV now. We definitely will. Uh, but look, after all that, Meryl, basically, you're saying watch after soon. Your eyes will be sweating, but watch it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Deadly. He's very good now, and the little girl is brilliant. Isn't it? Class, uh, Vanula, thank you so so much for your time. If people want to follow you on your sustainability adventures and uh, as you do more showbiz stuff and on RT Pulse, well, RT Pulse, where to get, but where will they get you in general? Uh, Instagram is my most active one, that is at Vanula Moore. Deadly, lovely. I'm uh, off to open up the Bebop page, is that what it's called? Bebop. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> you from the turtles on the Bebop and Rocksteady. Bebop and Rocksteady. That's what I was thinking. Right, yeah, right, yeah. And that's for Retro as well, Meryl. So you're in the right mind frame. You're in the mind exactly. Uh, Vanilla, thanks so much. It's been an absolute blast. And uh, look, all the best with it. And we'll, we'll hopefully chat to you again soon. Brilliant. Love that. I feel energized towards like just making small little micro decisions to be more sustainable, to be honest, man. Yeah, well, like, I mean, as well, the, the Depop um, pages that you can make to, to sell some of the clothes in your wardrobe or runners or whatever. I mean, it makes perfect sense to do that because not only are you getting involved in that cycle, you're actually making a bit of money, like. Well, that's, yeah. I'm, you know, it's, better, it's better in your pocket than elsewhere, like. But. Yeah, well, I have a wardrobe there full of shirts that I'm sure that I could sell for 600 quid a pop. Um, These are custom-made Gucci's. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Slightly different to the three euro pennies that are in mine. <laughs> well, actually, I probably have a few pennies as well. No, yeah. but no, joking aside, um, I think it's just about the effort to do that. I mean, because you obviously have to take a fo- photo of your items and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to make a concerted effort to try and do that, to be honest, because I have yeah. a, a wardrobe full of clothes and uh, you're kind of looking at, like I'd wear tracksuit tops and, and hooded tops and stuff. Yeah. Tops that I'm actually, as I'm talking to you now, I'm looking at a top that I haven't worn, I don't think, in 15 months. Yeah. 
This you know, and like as as Fanula said to us, like we we're we're a brutal old bunch for that kind of carry on where it goes into the wardrobe, it stays in the wardrobe, and it doesn't see the light of day again until such time as you decide to do a big clear out, and then sure, sure what's done with it, like yeah, you know? big time. And I just want as well to say that I, gr- I loved that podcast, um, but I also loved her two dogs. Her yeah, two dogs yeah. made an appearance pre-record and post-record and they are stunning and when you follow her on Instagram you will see the dogs in action yeah absolutely yeah Fanula, she was an absolute diamond and I'm very very grateful for her time uh, and for, for teaching us a little bit about uh, how to be more sustainable with our fashion and our choices and everything else and I'm going to get involved with the lovely Oksana out in the garden now this summer when she's planting stuff because I'm going to come back on this podcast in a few months and talk to you all about the wonky carrots that we grew and the radish that we grew because <laughs> fish didn't grow a huge amount of them like because you know it was our first one giving it a go but like you know there was enough for a couple of dinners there a couple of salads the wonky couple. carrots we well, see man that's that's a thing because like all the carrots we carrots don't like do you know what I mean you're going to get carrots that are wonky like, yeah th- th- everybody thinks that they just grow perfectly straight no, no man no, would you take carrots in a chicken curry I, I wouldn't personally put them in it but if they were in it I wouldn't complain Right. And would you take them in a bolognese? Ah, yeah, in a bolognese now, yeah. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad about bolognese in general, to be honest with you, but I, I would now. I'd probably grate the carrot and yeah. add it in that way. That's fair enough. Um, But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going mad for slow cooker recipes. We'll talk about this next time we have Gary and Paul on the podcast because the two lads are mad for the cooking as well. Perfect. I'm going, I'm going mad for the slow cooking, but this evening <laughs> I tried to make homemade chicken tenders. Shit show, Graham. Shit <laughs> I don't want to hear about it because I'm not a fan. Chicken tenders in the slow cooker? No, not in the slow cooker. No, I tried right. to do it with the air fryer. But ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Too, far too much flour, a rookie mistake. And if I'd left him the you air fryer. You know, Gary's the king of uh, the air fryer recipes. He is. And it's my own fault for not consulting with him before I tried this, to be honest. Yeah, it's not like you because you've been consulting him uh, about the slow cooker stuff. He hasn't steered me wrong, Graham. I know. I know. And in fairness, Paul Howard as well, he he recommended throwing in a bit of dark chocolate into a chili I made recently, and he was on the money. Ooh. <laughs> Difference maker. Um, nonetheless, anyway, look, Mero, that was a good yes. episode. I really enjoyed it. It was a really good enjoyed episode. it. Um, I find it very um like easy to listen to and not forceful, like yeah, yeah, some exactly. kind of <laughs> other environment climate kind of activists in the media so I really enjoyed that and I would hope that we can talk to her every couple of months yeah it'd be great too um, if if people want to listen to the previous 284 and bonus episodes and whatnot of this podcast Graham, where can they do so they can go um, to wtspod.com or they can search WT uh, search wtspod on any podcast provider and um, you can go to podbean podcast republic and um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast. Just search WTS Pod. He's at Dan John Murray on Twitter. I'm at Merrigamania. And we're both on the same handles on Instagram too if you want to give us a social media folly. Until next time. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose.